Victor and Lois are siblings who were both diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder. Lois lives and works in London and Hector is a student living in Vienna. In their weekly podcast, Anxiety Calling, they'll be talking about different aspects of living with generalised anxiety disorder and how they get by in day-to-day life. Welcome to episode 13 of Anxiety Calling. I'm Hector. And I'm Lois. And today we're going to be talking about anxiety and food. While talking about the episode before recording, we realized that the topic of um, food and anxiety is actually a, a very large topic and um, goes can go in many directions and there's so many aspects to it. So we decided spontaneously to um, make episode 13 a two-parter. So um, this week and next week, um, we'll be talking on this subject. And we just wanted to give you a quick trigger warning again at the beginning of this episode, because we'll probably be talking a bit about some physical symptoms that we experience in connection to our anxiety around food. But we also will be touching on the subject of eating disorder. So if these are subjects that, or things that might trigger you, um, yeah, just wanted to warn you just in case. Yeah, um, I'll just start. Um, for me, from my personal experience, I'd say there's two big things in connection with food and anxiety. The first would be that, um, I mean, I, I love food and I'm very curious about different kinds of food. Um, from So I'm always interested in trying new things that I've never tried before mm-hmm. from different parts of the world. But at the same time, despite my curiosity, I'm also, I have a terrible fear of accidentally killing myself. <laughs> accidentally poisoning yourself. Accidentally poisoning myself or killing myself with with food, which, which can, you know, which can happen. I mean, they're like, um, I mean, for one thing, you can choke to death. <laughs> That's a huge one for me. Every time I eat by myself, a small part of me is afraid I'm going to choke to death because I don't know how to heimlich maneuver myself. Yeah, I have that. I also, another f- irrational fear that I have when cooking alone is that for whatever reason, I'll become unconscious and the food that I'm cooking... <laughs> Will cause a fire. Will continue cooking and cause a fire, and then cause smoke, and I will suffocate without noticing because I'm already unconscious. It's a really stupid and very irrational theory, but wow, that's something I've never even thought about. But now I will. <laughs> but I have this. I don't know why. And sometimes, if I'm in a bad anxiety phase, I just don't cook because of this. I just wow, really? order food or eat things cold because it makes me. There are times when it has made me so nervous to cook. Because I, I don't know what it is, but um, strangely enough, cooking is one of the things. And I mean, yes, of course, eating and choking to death or suddenly having an allergic reaction to something I've eaten, although I've never, ever had an allergic reaction to it before. Yes, I and know there's nothing. I've never eaten anything that has caused me an allergic reaction. I mean, I've eaten things which were painful while eating, after eating, <laughs> and when said food left my body again. <laughs> But um, I've, yeah, I've never had a serious allergic 
reaction or yeah i mean i have had food poisoning and that did yeah me too food poisoning did horrendous. you know definitely um um help do you have that thing that when you've had food poisoning from something you're unable to eat that thing for sometimes multiple years yeah and that is that is something interesting because i mean yeah i have had that with food poisoning specifically if i've had a uh, tummy bug or, or or food poisoning from something it's taken a long time or I couldn't actually go to the same restaurant mm, and eat mm. it again because it was so traumatizing just you know yeah shitting yeah. out your organs and vomiting <laughs> at the same time it's that very... once with a, with a with a dinner a dinner kebab I had it too. was in Munich and so I, like a friend of mine was like oh this is the best I mean here's the thing if you live in Munich or any most play I mean a lot of a lot of cities in Germany have, you know, these kind of very German take on a dinner and it's really, really, really popular. So everyone has their own favorite dinner place, you know? And so you always, every friend of yours will have their own personal favorite dinner and you'll always have to change, you always have to try everybody's, you know, everyone's favorite dinner. And, um, a friend of mine, there was one, there was like this small restaurant close to a swimming pool where we used to go um, to exercise. And she she swore that this was the best place in the world, right? Mm. So I had a kebab and with meat in it. And um, then for the next couple of days, I did not go to the loo. And I was starting to get very concerned about this because that's not, that's not, you know, that's not who I am. So... <laughs> I was very, I was quite worried about what was happening. And then after, like, I think it was like maybe, it was a couple of days, maybe two days. It suddenly, it happened, basically. I started throwing up everything that I had eaten in the last couple of days. And the last thing to leave my body was the kebab. And it was so violent. (laughs) And I don't, I'm not even sure, I don't, I'm not 100% sure if it was food poisoning or if it was a tummy bug, but the fact that I couldn't go to the loo for a couple of days before the before I was able to throw up the dinner is weird to me, you know? Mm. I think that's a weird sign. But I'm also not a medical expert on this. Whatever happens, the violence of this um, dinner leaving my body was so traumatizing to me that for a couple of years, I could not eat... Um, I could not have a kebab with meat in it. I just couldn't eat meat um, from a kebab shop. I only, I would have, instead I would have the vegetarian option, which is often falafel, which I absolutely love, to be fair. And I did, I did have a lot of great falafel in that time, but it was, it was, I just couldn't, I was so scared of that ever happening to me ever again, that I just refused to eat dinner meat for, it was, it was, it was was like, I don't know, between two and five years. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced this as well. Also with a, I had it with a kebab once and I had it with um, this Bavarian food thing called Lieberkiss. Mm. Me too. I had it after. I had it with Lieberkiss too once. I didn't eat Lieberkiss for about eight years after that. (laughs) It took me a really long time to get over that. But one thing that came to mind, and this is a mystery to me, 
Um, oh, did why? we both have that at the same time with the Libakis? Is that why we always ate tuna when everyone else had Libakis? Yes, it was like oh a tummy my bug. God. It wasn't because food we poisoning, both had it was a tummy, tummy bug. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we both had a tummy bug after eating, and we had and our last meal <laughs> before it, it happened was Libakis, and it was that was really really awful. I remember that so so vividly. It was a very it was a very bad norovirus or whatever it's called. Yeah, um, norovirus. What I just had to think about was what I don't what I don't get in this connection is because obviously it's about the of how you feel and you connect it to what you ate. Yeah, I think so because you saw it leave your body in such an yeah, un, yeah, in maybe. such an unceremonious, undignified way. manner. <laughs> but, um, but so for example, with if I've had to throw up from alcohol it sometimes has that effect as well. So for example, I can't drink tequila anymore. No, no way. Tequila is absolutely off limits. Or vodka shots. And ouzo is also difficult. But I mean, going to Turkey where I had to drink a lot of raka did kind of cure it a little bit. I quite like ouzo. It's one of the... I mean, but, no, that is wait. that is a gross overstatement. I don't like raka or... No one likes raka. But the point or ouzo. But I can drink it but for what, some reason. The, what, I was, what the point that I was trying to come to, <laughs> no matter how many times... I had to vomit after drinking too much beer. I still love drinking. Yeah, I know what you mean. And As this a teenager, is, this is that a happened to me like to me. almost every other weekend. I used to throw up yeah. beer all the time. Yeah, and and, this, and I don't understand why, why that is. But anyway, this is coming off topic again. <clears throat> well, I was um, so that so the one side for me that is connected to anxiety about food is what I can eat, and um, you know, I mean, it does happen. So if if I eat things which I know everyone knows are um, potentially um, a risk factor, a high risk factor, whether it's like raw Sushi. meat or raw food, then I will eat it. I will love, I will love the taste, but then for a couple of hours afterwards, I will just worry about it. And then I think to myself, was it worth it? I mean, I, lo mm. I love this kind of food because like I said, I'm very curious about it, but at the same time, I'm very nervous about it. Yeah. And seafood is, of course, a dangerous one because one knows that it, it does happen. You know that salmonella is like a, a, a more of a, yeah, it's a higher a, risk. Or chicken, for example, or I don't you know. know every time you eat a pea, you're having something that has like prawns or shrimps in it or something with chicken in it and you get that one piece of chicken or that one prawn that tastes a bit funky and you swallow it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or even worse, you go to someone's house and they oh. cooked, and then they didn't cook the chicken or whatever it was. So actually, the best thing is just to stop eating meat, I think, because you just avoid so much food poisoning possible. I have to say, like, although, yeah, of course, if you eat a, a, a lettuce leaf that has E. coli on it or salmonella yeah, okay. on it for whatever reason, you will also get it. But my anxiety about getting food poisoning has has gotten, has really shrunk um, quite substantially since I have reduced the amount of meat that I eat like once a month, I'll eat meat once a month at this point, if that. And I have to say my anxiety, not only about undercooking the meat, um, but also have I, did I use this knife to cut meat? You know, was this chopping board used to cut meat? Is there salmonella's, salmonella? I don't know if I said that right. If is there, you know, is there food poisoning like spread throughout my kitchen? Did you know this piece of raw meat touch this utensil? Yeah. Um, have I washed my hands? You know, that is something that is like, I mean, clearly I wash my hands before handling food, but I mean, like, if you handle meat, you have to wash your hands like so, you know, more times because you're worried about spreading. I mean, I'm worried about spreading the germs. Yeah. I have to say, it has, it is quite a relief. 
And so, of course, that, yeah, that's what I was saying. So if I just eat like a, a salad with tomatoes and then have, for example, just pasta with tomato sauce, mm-hmm. side, when I've come past the point of finished cooking it and having mm-hmm. not become unconscious and died because <laughs> the oven carried on cooking and then eventually the water was all gone and the pasta burned and then everything filled with smoke and I died. I am, have no worries after having eaten it. But yeah, if I'm yeah, eating so true. which is where one knows that there is a connection to um, salmonella or other other bacteria that or uh, parasites or parasite that can cause you to have a um, potentially fatal physical reaction. Um, yeah, and so yeah, like I said before, if someone else cooks for you, I, I had an experience where a friend cooked a seafood meal for me with a type of crab that I'd never seen before. It looks like a giant woodlouse. <laughs> it tasted nice, but somehow I was in an, it was an anxious day anyway, and it was mm-hmm. just freaking me out <laughs> eating this. That is also like I think this with, giant woodlouse. And I think but, if you grow up near the sea, it's a bit easier to deal with seafood. But I feel like we yeah. grew up in Munich. Yeah. There's no think, sea far and wide there. If you were mixing like social anxiety with food anxiety, it's <laughs> like really just too much too much to take in for one day so I was I felt quite beaten after that day yeah I think Um, that's a that's actually a big one for me is um dinner parties is a massive one for me because there's one thing that I can't eat mm. and that is um peppers so in that's um this is something else there's a different word for this in almost every language in German it's paprika so it's a vegetable and in English they just call it peppers Mm. and in America they call them bell peppers so it's like the sweet peppers not the chili peppers chili peppers aren't really a problem the spicier they are actually the the more likely I'm able to eat them without a problem but the ones that are more mild and more more closely related or yeah to the pepper vegetable um the harder it is and the thing is I wasn't always, I didn't always have this intolerance. Like it's not, I, I don't even know if it's, um, if it classifies as a, if it's a, um, if it's an allergy or if it's an intolerance. And I'm also not sure what the difference between the two is because like people can be lactose intolerant, you know, but are they allergic to lactose then, or just, is it just that they can't digest uh, it? No, we'd have to ask a, a doctor specialist on this case. So I'm um, not sure about it exactly, but what I and I haven't been to a doctor about this also just you know just so everyone knows basically this wasn't always a problem but at some point in my 20s I developed an intolerance to peppers and if I eat something that has if I eat raw peppers or if I eat peppers that and because like some people like oh what about cooked peppers because like raw onions are also a bit of a problem for me but if they're cooked it's no problem Mm. and with peppers it's just as terrible if then if not more terrible if they're cooked um than if they are raw and um if i eat them then within 20 minutes or 30 minutes i will have really really bad um stomach cramps Mm -hmm. that are so bad that i feel almost faint from them Mm -hmm. and then i have like i either will have to throw up or I will get like raging diarrhea, like really bad within like 20 to 30 minutes of having ingested them. And this is obviously not great at a dinner party. No. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I keep forgetting this. Like I don't, because I never buy them and I never eat them. 
I keep you forgetting that. people put it in the... Yes. So if we're going to a dinner party, obviously the best thing to do if they invite me is to be like, oh, by the way, I can't eat peppers. In, mm. in like absolutely no peppers. I can't eat them. Um, luckily, because a lot of people don't eat a lot of things, like there, a lot of people are vegan or a lot of people eat gluten-free diets or, uh, you know, don't, or, um, you know, don't eat milk products. Um, often when someone's throwing a dinner party, they will quickly ask, like, uh, you know, is there any, is there anything that anyone can't eat? And so when they ask that, then I'll automatically, obviously, you know, I clock it and say, oh yeah, I can't eat peppers. But if they don't ask, I completely forget. And so sometimes I have showed up at dinner parties and there was peppers and everything. So I basically can't eat anything. Um, or I haven't noticed there were peppers in it because they also look a bit like tomatoes, especially when they're cut up really small. Or cooked. Or cooked, exactly, because then they're squidgy and then they could also be tomatoes. And only recently I was at a, I was at a party and I accidentally ate peppers and it was, it was bad. It was mm. really bad. When I say recently, it was not that obviously can't have been that recently, actually, because of lockdown. So at some point in the summer, when you were allowed to meet other households, mm. I went to a, a a dinner evening where, yeah, where they had cooked, um, they'd made stuff and there was, I accidentally ate some peppers and it was really, really painful and really difficult because then like, it then like I'm stuck in the loo for like a good half hour. <laughs> Well, for me, it's the same if I drink milk or cream, but it's like, so also the same physical effect. So extreme pain and <coughs> what you described. Um, it's kind of, basically, it's like ayahuasca, only without the <laughs> benefit. Without the hallucinating. Without the hallucinating. But I do come to the point <laughs> where I'm just lying on my bed, waiting yeah. to either to die or to, to you know, pass yeah, know through the, the, the corridor. And um, it's just, it's really, it, and that's the thing, like, and this is like something that I have, I'm so anxious about for one thing when I go to people's parties, because people just love using peppers to jazz up meals because they kind of, they're bulky and they look good because they're so colorful. Mm. But also there are a lot of cuisines that use them a lot. Like for instance, Mexican cuisine. I love Mexican food, but I have to be so careful because I, you know, that there's a big chance there's going to be pep, um, peppers in there. Mm. And sometimes um if especially here i've noticed anytime i try and order chinese food they're going to sneak some peppers in there and i can't even though it doesn't say it on i and i always look at the ingredients i look at the ingredients to make sure and they'll say like oh this has you know onions and there's i don't know soy sprouts and it has you know anything that has mixed vegetables is a no-go for me because they're always going to be peppers in there um but only recently i looked at the description of what it was and nowhere did it say that there were peppers in there and then suddenly magically my food had peppers in it and i was really depressed Mm. yeah so yeah so that's the one side for me um of anxiety connected to food would be you know potential fatality through eating things on the one side and but in stark contrast to my curiosity about new things that you can eat yeah um the other thing which i would think about spontaneously connected um with anxiety and food is that um the difficulty of actually being able to eat when I'm very anxious yeah. or depressed. Yeah. So it, there, it can happen that I just can't, I literally can't swallow food and I get, eventually, of course, you get, you know, you get dizzy and giddy and, and, and stuff. And, or because I'm feeling nauseous from, from anxiety, I just, I can't actually eat. And that is 
of course that increases the anxiety because then you know it's like a cycle and you you know yeah. worry about the you know then you get low blood sugar and, and all that and um i do know quite a few people who suffer from anxiety who in intense phases of anxiety and or depression um find it very difficult to actually eat anything because i mean i know this feeling it's just like you i have this feeling that i can't put anything solid mm. you know i don't want to chew something i don't want to you know then i just end up forcing myself to eat at like three o'clock in the afternoon and before that having only you know i mean what helps is like drinking fluid smoothies or mm. um yeah, yeah. or oat i oat 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 milk is a good one because it, you know, obviously has does give you energy and it doesn't feel like you're you're eating something. Um, it doesn't make me nauseous either. So um, for me, those that's were the why it's quite two. a hard crossover if you have like a social anxiety and in a lot of social situations you, you know, you're, you're supposed to eat. <laughs> so if you're yeah. being very anxious and it like can really affect your your appetite, like that is that's quite difficult. Yeah. But I mean, do you also have that that thing with sometimes just not literally having the feeling that you you physically can't put it inside your body because you're so anxious or depressed or yeah 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 I think it's it's I also like especially when I'm feeling depressed and I think a big issue is that I don't have the energy to eat mm. and and that's which is also like a paradox because you need if you eat like you need food for energy but sometimes I feel like I don't have the energy even to eat to give myself energy you know. Mm. And with anxiety, it's a big problem because I do feel, I do get very, very nauseous, like we discussed in the physical symptoms of anxiety. And so if I'm feeling very sick, I can't eat. So like there'll be days if I'm, um, if I'm performing, for instance, um, like for the first night, um, often I can't eat for the entire day. And so then I have to perform on an empty stomach, which also isn't ideal. Yeah. And in general, like new surroundings, it's very hard for me to eat. Mm. That's a big one. Another very weird thing that I have um, is eating in front of people is something that is very hard for me. So I have, a, I, have a, I have a huge amount of anxiety about eating in front of people. So especially people that I don't know very well. And um, But what is it so, that makes you anxious? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what it you is. It's something I feel very uncomfortable if I'm being watched while I eat. Mm -hmm. And this was something that was very, very hard actually while I was at school. Mm -hmm. um, because we'd have like a, a break at about 10 a.m. And um, the that we had like a, you know, a little canteen downstairs and they had great food there. Um, I mean, at least towards the end of my time at school, um, last few years, there was a really great chef there. And, yeah, he was um, great. I loved him. Bobby. I absolutely loved Bobby. And he, like, he really upped the game of the whole school when it came to the, just the food um, that was available, the quality of it. Um, and at, the, at break time, they had these really, they had really nice food. And, but I couldn't stand in line and buy something because I because when you were standing in line it was like the entire canteen could see you it wasn't like somewhere in the corner basically the center of the room which makes sense was the area where food was being handed out and so everyone in the canteen theoretically if they gave a crap which I don't think anyone did would be able to see me buying myself something to eat and for some reason I had this incredible anxiety about people seeing me 
eat. And I had this very difficult fear of people judging me for eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that was very hard to deal with at school. And what I would do, especially towards the end, when I was like maybe finished school the last couple of years, I would leave the classroom shortly before break started with the excuse that I had to go to the loo. And for some reason, the teachers just let me do it. <laughs> they mm. didn't question it, which is like, because I feel like a lot of them would have been like, why? It's like in, like in 10 minutes, the whole, we're, we're going to have the break. Like, can you hold it? Um, but I used to go to the loo and then I used to go downstairs into the canteen before the break started. That was the best time there. Yeah. The thing is that you weren't actually allowed to do it because like the teachers had this weird rule that you weren't allowed to do that, but Bobby didn't really care. And he always let us, he always let me. And so I would go down there and I would just quickly grab a sandwich and I would give him, you know, pay him and, or, or I would leave, if he wasn't, if he was busy in the back, then I would just grab a sandwich and I'd leave the money on the counter. Mm. And then I would really quickly eat it before the break started and then go back into the classroom. And like that, it sounds bonkers, obviously. But I also did that for a different reason because I just couldn't bear the crowds because it was so crowded. It was really crowded and it was really, I would usually skive off at about nine (laughs) o'clock. And sometimes I'd even just, when I was, like I said, also shortly before before graduation, um, (laughs) I would just skive off, go down there, drink a coffee with with, um, Bobby and his Mm. wife, Mila, and have a chat because I just really didn't I really didn't care about the class I was a terrible student um absolutely terrible people as well but um I just also I did the same like I just couldn't take the the crowds and the noise it was so loud because it was a very small canteen well, so you mm. had the best pick of everything if it was before yes, if you went like, earlier, the good stuff would always get taken yeah yeah but they uh, didn't have the Lubaki Sem if you went early. They only had them in the actual break. Oh yeah true yeah but they were always gone within a couple of seconds anyway so yeah um yeah um what was i gonna say i've lost track somehow it's just somehow my my mind just slipped into the into the times of 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 being in the school canteen that was like a that was a huge thing for me i couldn't it was so bad and i have the same it's quite hard going into like a mcdonald's and like ordering something that's why i like that it's also silly because like I know that these machines are taking people's jobs, but like the fact that I can like, it's like secretly ordering food on that machine thing in the McDonald's and then you just go to the front and grab your bag. Mm. But like having to speak up and say that you wanted the things that you wanted. Mm. I always had this fear, this weird feeling that people might judge me for how much I eat. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also had, um, I didn't have that, but what I did used to have, it's, I still have it with people I don't know so well, but I, I don't know why it is this, but I feel very uncomfortable if I have to eat something with my hands, if it's messy. So if it's something I, I yeah. hold with my hands, I put it in my mouth and make a mess. So I feel especially... Um, Do not. Yeah, I mean, especially also in a date situation, I think. But Yeah, yeah, but generally, absolutely. I just, I just like, I feel more comfortable if I can eat with um, a knife and fork. Mm. And then there's also the talking if there's something in your mouth and it's just. No, I mean, what I if get, I have something between my teeth? Yeah, I, I get that. I get that thing. I get. I get that thing of eating in front of people. I used to have it very strongly. I just. So if it's something that I'm eating with my hands, I still feel uncomfortable. I'd rather just go and for me to go and eat a sandwich or um, a kebab or something like that. Um, I will go and um, I would. I prefer to do that somewhere where no one's watching me. <laughs> um, yeah, I absolutely. I have to I feel very comfortable with a person to be able to eat with my hands in front of yeah. them. 
Yeah. I have to be very comfortable just like not really care <laughs> yeah. how I look in front of them, which again, it sounds kind of conceited, I guess, to like care so much about how you look, but I think it's, it's not really caring about how you look. It's more caring about how people see you or how, or being judged, I guess. I don't, I can't even pinpoint exactly what it is, but I just somehow feel vulnerable in that moment. Mm. It is a vulnerable situation. Eating, I feel like it's one of those, it's like, you know, it's like when you're in the loo, it's kind of a vulnerable moment. <laughs> you know, like dogs, they can't stand it. If like, if they're eating, like they eat so fast because they're scared people are going to, I mean, that's not what my fear is. I'm not afraid someone's going to suddenly snatch my food, but I feel like maybe just instinctively you kind of feel vulnerable while you're eating. Because you're so focused on your food, like who knows what's going to happen around you? Yeah, I'm. No, I'm not. I'm, I just spontaneously, when you said dog and food, I was just remembering. I was in Italy once, and I was in a in a garden in a house in the countryside, and there's a dog there. <laughs> I'd made myself like a little plate, and I sat down on a deck chair, and I was just looking at the scenery and eating, and then. The dog came along in a friendly manner and sat down next to me with a dead rat. It just found an ate. Oh no! <laughs> ate a dead rat. <laughs> I just couldn't carry on eating it. So I said, shoo, stop it. Stop eating that. <laughs> didn't That's care. So just awful. ate. Why was the rat dead? Did she kill the rat or did... She found the rat somewhere in a ditch and it was bloated and it was disgusting. Ew! What if the rat died of poisoning? Well, the dog was fine afterwards, but um, <laughs> it was... Um, I don't know why. That's it just, disgusting. It just suddenly came to mind. You know? That's something that it happens. Like if I'm watching telly and I'm eating, if something happens on telly that upsets me, I can't eat. No, I have that too. Like if <laughs> I used to watch, if I tried to watch Grey's Anatomy, for instance, mm-hmm. <laughs> while eating, and then suddenly it's just like a really scary operation with blood flying everywhere. Yeah, I find it difficult. And it's not even that I'm particularly squeamish well. about yeah. blood. It's just sometimes, sometimes there are things that make me unsettle me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's yeah. unappetizing is the word. Unappetizing. So yeah, so, so, but sometimes they're like surprising things that just get to me that make it hard for me to eat. And then something that actually makes me very um, anxious on the subject of food is, um, so I sometimes have a hard time finishing my food mm. um, because I can't. It's very hard to gauge how much I'm going to be able to eat. There are times where I can eat ridiculous amounts of food, but there are also times where I can't. And sometimes I don't know in advance. And growing up, so particularly our mom never, she never forced me to finish anything. She was never like, there was never this rule that you had to finish everything that was on your plate. Because I think it was very important to her that we didn't feel pressured into finishing our food. Um, which I do think is a good thing because I, I think that that can cause some trouble actually. Mm. If you feel like you absolutely have to finish your food, I think that can actually, that can lead to some problems. And that it's really wasn't a problem. Like, places like in school dinners in. Yes. When you were forced. Yes. In, in, when you were in the afternoon um, school thing and they forced you basically to eat food that you really didn't like and made yeah. you feel ill. And that's the thing. That's exactly. That's, it's funny that you should touch on that subject because, like, exactly what I wanted to talk about actually was, mm. I was um, growing up. I, I mean, I didn't go to kindergarten. I didn't. I like. I'd have to like really eat outside of the house until I went to school, and so I was very used to just eating what our mom or our dad had made for us. And they was they made everything at home. So we had like our. They made their own bread and everything. Like I was used to just eating. Everything was kind of cooked by our parents, and then 
my first real like proper encounter with food outside of our home that's not wasn't cooked by either of our parents was when I was in daycare after mm. school and the at the time we didn't have Bobby the great chef we had I don't know who was cooking the food but it was was the the quality was was very different and I'd also I don't think I'd ever eaten soup in my life until then and suddenly I had to eat soup every day there was different types of soup that I wasn't like didn't like and one day they the 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 two the daycare the two ladies who looked after us um one of whom I really did I was very I liked I mean I really really liked her she was a really great she was a very very good caregiver um the other one I wasn't so keen on and she was very, very hell-bent on me finishing my food. And in my opinion, the, I mean, the, the portion sizes were way too big for me. And um, I wasn't used to the type of food that it was. I, half the time, I didn't even know what I was eating. And um, I really, really, really struggled there. And one day, she'd kind of had enough. And she forced me onto her lap and started force-feeding me. Mm. And it was a gamknudel. Mm which is like for anyone who doesn't know what a yam knoodle is, because this is like, a, it's quite, I don't know if this is- it's a, like a soggy it, roll. It's like a raw roll or donut mm. that's filled with a sort of plum jam usually, sometimes topped with poppy seeds for whatever reason. And then it's swimming really. in vanilla sauce. Yeah. And so to me, since this day, a gam has been like one of the most disgusting things I can picture in my mind. I know that a lot of people love these things, mm. but to me, every time I see one, I feel very, very sick because this uh, daycare lady put me on her lap and started force feeding me the gam canoodle. And then I started, and until I started like physically retching from it, like really, really violently retching. And then she got scared and probably mm. realized that that was child abuse and uh, let me go but that was that's <laughs> since then i physically can't force myself to keep eating if i'm feeling full or if i don't like the food i will start hurling if i start if i try to force myself to eat it mm. and i hate wasting food i really hate doing it but i also know that i'm physically incapable of forcing myself to carry on eating and that's why sometimes going to you know like friends houses was very hard as a child because they gave me ridiculous portions and i didn't yeah. like the food and also they sometimes had rules whereby the other kids weren't allowed to leave the table unless everyone was finished eating and then everyone hated me because i was sit sat there not being able to finish and everyone had to sit there watching me not finish my food and i, I think that's probably also why i'm so so anxious about people watching me eat i had similar experiences i, I do remember also in this 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 after school daycare thing of of i mean luckily there was a child that would eat everyone else's portions as well if I, oh yeah those are always good those are always good so i no but the thing is i would actually sometimes i just couldn't eat it so i just i was i would literally rather starve mm -hmm. than eat yeah I another same. mouthful and i did things like i would stuff my mouth full of the food to finish the plate and then excuse myself to the to the to the loo to the toilet, and then go there and then spit it out because I just couldn't. Yeah, me too. I couldn't I eat it. Yeah. I'd also keep plastic bags in my pockets so I could like put stuff into the plastic bag, mm. and then dispose of it. Yeah, I, I had that too because it's terrible that they do, that this happens to children. You know, because I think 
Yeah. This, I think this can really cause, especially with eating, forcing children to eat particular kinds of foods or foods and places really is, you know, I, I don't understand this idea. You know, I think I, mean, I know where it comes from. It's bad to waste food, as, of course. But if a child doesn't want to eat yeah. or can't eat something because it just doesn't, isn't used to it or whatever, it's, you can, I think, cause more damage than if the child just goes hungry until the evening and eats at home. Exactly. I think, but here's what I think, here's why, here's what I think happened. Okay, at least from my, my point of view. I mean, this is just my, my experience from that I, that I had, that I would, I felt that I would rather not eaten than being yeah. something that I really couldn't eat. And that was much more stress than just not eating at the time. I think, also, I think like maybe that, I think it should be maybe like this more um, understanding, maybe more compromise that maybe I don't like the concept that you have to eat what you're given. And I think like a part of where this comes from, it makes perfect sense actually, because think about it. So we, we're millennials, right? We grew up and we, not only are we millennials, but we also grew up in, as middle-class millennials who didn't have ever, we didn't ever have, we lived with an abundance of food as it were. We never had food problems or rationing, you know? And I think that the generations before us, um, grandparents or great-grandparents probably with most of us also you know our grandparents they grew up with rationing and they grew up in a time where you really had to eat whatever you could get you know and um and you were lucky if you could eat and they also had to go through um a lot of them would have had to have gone through phases of having not enough food and so they brought their children up to be grateful for whatever food they had and to and kind of forced them to eat because they always had, they grew up basically worrying about not having enough food, you know? And so you had to, you had to finish everything you got because you never knew when your next meal would be, you know, mm. or you knew that your next meal was going to be tiny. So I think that because grandparents or great grandparents grew up with that, they would have, you know, they would have taught their children and then they would have taught their children that they have to finish their food. And in our case, our mother, I don't know what, I don't know if our grandparents were big on finishing, on you needing to finish your food, but I, I just remember, distinctly remember that our mother was very, very against forcing us to finish things and forcing us to like clean our plates. That was something that she was very hell bent on. It was like a cycle thing. I think she was hell bent on breaking, which I also think is a really good thing. Mm. Um, so I think that's probably where, I think it's a generational thing and that the generations before us grew up so our parents would have grown up with parents who were very much like would have experienced rationing and not having enough food. And so they were kind of anxious about people not finishing food or wasting food. You know, you didn't waste food. Disclaimer, they are not mental health professionals. Any advice or information given in this podcast is based on their personal experiences and is meant to raise awareness and help end the stigma of mental illness. Thank you for listening. And this message was brought to you by Jib. The disclaimer dude. Uh, something that I do have to think about in that context is um, particularly right now, there's, there's a lot, um, a lot being reported about um, children in particular here in the UK who are starving. So um, a massive problem, especially um, in connection with coronavirus is that a lot of children who depend on free school meals do not have access to that anymore and the government they there have been you know movements to try and organize um 
free meals for these children or free food for these children who aren't who are unable to be fed right now um but it keeps getting shut down by the government and then there was like right now there's a big um scandal going on because um it has come to light like what because then they said okay yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna take care of it we're gonna give them usually they would have like um 30 pound vouchers to get school meals with Mm. and so they're like okay well we're gonna give them like 30 pounds worth of food right and then now what's been circulating is um images of what this so-called 30 pounds worth of food is and it's not even close to 30 pounds worth first of all but it's also not nearly enough to feed um, I supposed to last them, I think, 10 days or something. And it's not even enough to last them like three days. And if it's like for one person, maybe, but I think it's for, supposed to be meant to support entire families. And so this is a huge problem right now in the UK, which is, it's really disturbing because I think one of those cliche things that we, you know, talk about that you hear is like, you know, when we were growing up, people would say there are, you know, if you, you should feel bad about not finishing your food because there are children in Africa who are starving, which like we said, is a huge, like obviously a very problematic statement. On so many I levels. On so many levels. Yes. And I think that <laughs> what people also have to realize is there in pretty much every country, there are people starving. It's just like, this is not something that. I think the like, scandalous thing in the UK right now is that the, the government actually initially voted against. Yeah. They providing did. school dinners to children who weren't going to school because during lockdown, yeah. during lockdown. And the only thing that shifted that was this campaign by um, Marcus Rashford. Yeah. And, but again, his whole campaign also got shut down. Like he was, it also he got had shut this, down, yeah. he, that also got shut down. And then, and like now, like I said, it's people, these images are circulating of the crap that they have given these kids to live off for 10 days. Yeah. And it's, it's really disturbing and it's very, and that's like, again, I think that is something that, like I said, I am very anxious about wasting food and I, I have this, this is this, this thing that I'm kind of um, balancing out of like, on the one hand, I know I'm physically incapable of finishing something I don't want to finish, or if I don't like the taste of something, I can't finish it. Um, and there is a certain amount of guilt that is, I think also like, again, because you grow up when you don't finish something, you're told, well, you know, it's bad that you're finishing it because there are people elsewhere starving as though somehow you not finishing something causes people elsewhere to starve, which isn't really true. Like whether I finish my food or not, the people will still be starving, right? The problem isn't me not finishing food. The problem is that things are not being done. Measures are not being taken to support people properly to stop that kind of thing from happening, you know? And especially yeah. in somewhere like the uk which is one of the richest countries in the world it's unbelievable that that something like that is being allowed to happen i think that is that is an important point to talk about also because i mean we're talking about anxiety about food obviously from a privileged point of view having food not being able to eat it is um something completely yeah. different than the anxiety of not actually being able to afford food which yeah. is an issue right now and um so awareness about that is important and um i think yes it's it's i think it's important to know your privilege in that in that respect like because that's something that for the most part there 
I mean, I've never, if I'm obviously being completely honest, there's never been a time where I would have had to have literally chose, would have literally starved. You know, there was never a time where I literally couldn't eat. There were times where money was very tight and um, especially that phase that we talked about in unexpected misfortunes where I lost my job. And um, there was a phase where I was trying to save up money because I wanted to move I wanted to move to the UK and I was working as a barista and my wages weren't very good. So I was using the money that I made in, in tips, which weren't very much, it wasn't very much at all. It was maybe like five euros per day, maybe 10 euros if I was lucky. Um, I was using that to buy food. And so that's why I quit smoking cigarettes was because I just couldn't, it was, I, it was the choice was between food or cigarettes basically. But the thing is that sounds really extreme, the truth of the matter is had I really been in a in in such a desperate state that I couldn't afford to eat it's not like I couldn't have gone to any of my siblings or my parents and asked for money to help or ask them for food that would not have been an issue I had always had people I could fall back on I didn't want to have to do that I wanted to be able to take care of myself so I did decide okay um if it comes between cigarettes and food I'm obviously going to choose food um but I have, it is an immense privilege to know that I've never been in a position where I wasn't able to feed myself because of financial reasons. I know what it's like to be very hungry because of the eating disorder. So I know what very intense hunger feels like. And that is also a weird, in a weird way, I think a problem with anorexia and is that you kind of get, it's almost like you get addicted to the feeling of hunger because you know, you feel like when you're hungry, you're, you feel like if you're hungry, you're losing weight. Mm. and the it's it can be very painful if you haven't eaten in a long time so but i don't know what it's like to not be to not have the option to eat that's something i you know hopefully I mean, we'll a, never have to experience hopefully no, no hopefully not and yeah like we said before this is the subject we're talking about is from a privileged perspective um yes. there is there is generally a problem even right right in the uk which is, like you said, one of the richest countries in the world. Yeah, um, I mean, how is so, it that one of the richest countries in the world, there are children who are starving? Yeah. And and this, how is it course, not seen as a basic human? But how is it? I don't understand. Okay, this is just something that really bothers me, is that the a child, it's like children, there's a reason we have, we have laws in place that say that children aren't allowed to go to work, right? Which is a mm -hmm. good thing. How is a child supposed... How, in, in what way is it the child's fault that it can't afford to buy food? You know, it, the, the child is never in control, you know? So it's sort of so surreal. How is it even, how is it even justifiable to allow children to go hungry in a country that is one of the richest in the world? And to basically kind of say they're on their own and it's kind of their own fault for being poor. You know, the child has no control over the matter. And that's something that was, uh, there was a lot of backlash about the kind of food they were giving these families and mm -hmm. the, like the bad, first of all, the bad quality of it and also the, how little it was. And then the reaction was basically, well, they should be grateful they were given anything f at all, you know? And that is, I mean, obviously really fucked up reaction and there's a lot going wrong there with the government right now um yeah it's, 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 in the it's context, a big thing that's been there it has made me very very angry and yeah. it's made me very angry yeah but um so talking about food and anxiety and in this what we're talking about now anxiety of actually getting enough food 
um, things one can do to to maybe change this is obviously political activism would be the the thing yeah, for the long run to try and push for change movements like like what mark rushford is trying to do yeah. um support organizations term, for that yeah. i mean in the short term things one can do is is donate to food banks yeah and um and charities obviously in the long run the only option is <laughs> is to push for political change and yeah and to get rid of governments which uh which will vote in politicians i guess who who are willing to take that step you know to or willing to take the step but i mean or vote out politicians yes, which vote are out politicians basically want. actively starving parts of the population and if we you know truth will probably you know putting a large part of what's being taken from the others into their own pockets. I mean, it is the case. We know this is yeah, what's we know this is what's going on. And also or or investing in stuff that isn't isn't a priority right now or shouldn't be a priority. It's the no. thing. It's like they have to get their priorities straight. It's um and I think again it's one of those things that if you've grown up, like yeah, we we definitely have grown up um we do we can say it's from like a point of privilege. We have never we've never you know been at the point we didn't grow up rich by any means but we didn't ever have um we didn't ever have to go hungry like our parents always were able to afford to feed us you know so that is a big privilege but like most of these people making these decisions in the friggin tory government these are people who've come from an insanely privileged background would never have ever have to have dealt with choosing between you know being able to afford your rent or being able to afford food you know these are things that they that is so foreign to them i don't think they can even it's weird that they have so little empathy um i feel like they just it's so far from what they grew up with that they just don't care no they they just don't it's not part of their reality so um for anyone who's frustrated about that kind of situation um i can only encourage we can only encourage you to vote <laughs> vote them out and um in the long term push for political change and in the short term um donate to food charities or other organizations which um try which combat and this kind of problem. try and yeah compensate for all the fucked up things which are happening due to the current political situation yeah yeah so that's it for part one of episode 13 anxiety about food tune in again next week to hear the rest of the episode and as always feel free to give us a or please give us a follow on spotify instagram and so on um we post regular updates on instagram and if you would like to suggest a topic or if you'd like to get in touch with us with your own experiences um you can dm on us you can dm us on instagram yep and any thoughts on part one of episode 13 you got free to DM us, we'd be very happy to get into a conversation with you and uh, tune in next week for part two of episode 13.